Again, we bring you greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. Tonight, I'd like to talk about happy youth. And it won't be just directed to youth. It'll be for all of us. And I think that that I just wanted to say that I, I've enjoyed my time here. It's been a blessing to learn to know some of you better. And I feel a kindred spirit. I feel very much at home. So thank you for that. And I was sharing about... Um, cultivating the presence of God, and I just have to confess that when I have to study for a sermon, I got to dig, and it's I'm forced to do it. Maybe it, <laughs> that says something about me, but I I thank you for that opportunity to have to had to dig again. It's probably one of my visions for church. I don't know how you do here, but we have everyone share and giving messages. Not because everyone is such an excellent preacher, but because I know that in my own life I gain more by having to study and stand up here and share than what probably the people did. And you have to put up with me for being able to share. But that's a blessing in your life. And take advantage of that. When I sit there to study, you know, the... The opening comment is, I count it a blessing to be here. And I, I think to myself, what, do I really feel that way? Or is that just a cliche that we say? Afterwards, I feel very blessed, and I'm glad to be here. But, um, yeah, thank you for your kindness to me, the, the fellowship that we've had. Happy youth, blessed youth. Ecclesiastes 12. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not nigh, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Youth is a serious time, and we need to, as young people, please look carefully at your life. You might think that it's a long time to you're an old person. And the rest of the... 12 there, one day, talks about you'll soon be there, and the grinders will be few, and you look out the windows, be dark, and you need glasses, and all that good stuff. Verse 9, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. And that which was written was upright, even words of truth. And tonight, trying to find acceptable words to give to you, to get serious about your life, and to consider it carefully in the time of your youth. And then he says, The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of the assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I think Earl said about that one verse had all the scriptures in. I think this one verse does too. So fear God. This is the conclusion. If you don't get anything out of my acceptable words, I'm trying to share tonight. Learn what it means to fear God. Reverence Him. Hold Him high in your life. Look at what He has to say as true and right and good. And believe it. And live it. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Tonight... We can hide our failures, we can hide our secret sins, but we won't hide from God. And someday, God will bring it all into judgment. Fear God, reverence Him, and keep His commandments. Youth, I'm not sure what you count youth as at certain ages. I, I'm going to count youth, and we have a lot of young married, so I'm going to count you as youth, even if you are married. And what I have to share tonight will fit us as parents, too. And I was going to share this um, Saturday night, and then I moved it to tonight. But I'd like to talk about the adolescent age. I don't know how many are, say, between 11 and 15. Those are 
difficult years. Those are hard years. You're just beginning to find yourself, to understand yourself. And you go through changes, and it's very difficult tonight um, to understand that. And again, the theme of obedience and surrender, if you can get a hold of this, and when I, I talked about parents and the philosophy of child training that we're pressured with, the idea that the little child, you have to begin them making their own decisions so they develop the ability to make their own decision. And I hold that as not true at all. Parents, young children, make their decision for them. If you have a young child that's 10 years old and he thinks he knows everything and he understands all about life, it's your fault as a parent because you fed that thing into him and he's proud and he thinks he knows everything there is to know in life. That's a bad situation. From 10 to 15, sometimes they, they're wise. They understand. And we're not saying that you're, you're dumb. But I am 67, almost 68. The, wise, the, wiser, the more mature you are and the wiser you are, the more you realize you don't know. The world is big. And... As 10 to 15, you have a lot to learn yet. So if you're listening, please, your parents are your stronghold, your security. Listen to them and submit to their design. And parents, don't release them to their own thinking. Bring them in under your control. They are beginning to think for themselves and for little children, sometimes we'll tell them, they'll ask questions. Some children are very, they'll ask some strange, hard questions. And sometimes it's okay to just tell them, well, it's hard to explain to you. You won't understand. You'll just have to wait till you get older. But by the time they're between 10 and 15, parents, we need to somehow relate to their questions a little bit different. And we need to be able to give answers to them that help them in these areas. The inquisitive questions. Don't You can't just turn them off. But somehow you still need to bring them under your control. One of my real concerns has been people who release their children way too soon to their own thinking. Bring them under your control. Time of youth. Somebody has said it's like slippery. It's a time when you're on slippery ice. And I don't know. I guess one of the real burdens of my heart is when I think back to my youth. Now I'm not sure where the verse is, but oh Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. I had a rough youth and it wasn't. I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not blaming anybody, but I went to public school and got into things that I should not have gotten into. And if I can in any way help the youth, and I, I see many youth are miles ahead of where I was, but if I can, and it was the mercy of God and his grace that brought me through that tough time. But um, just my heart's desire is to help you not to have to go through that type of thing. I just remember one thing. I was listening to music that I should not have listened to. And I don't probably... And I I just remember that, that beat of that music. And what, you turn it away up in your car and it's just pounding your chest. And it, I thought, you know what? You're just as hollow as those drums are. I'll never forget that feeling. I was empty and I was hollow and I needed, I knew that I had problems. And I, there came a time when I knew that I was hiding things from my parents and I thought, 
just, I was tired of it. Just give it all up. And I, people talk about the second work of grace. I guess that's what that was. But I've had the third and the fourth. But I know I became a Christian at 13 years old. And I just remember I was on my way to heaven. It was so wonderful and beautiful. And to say it wasn't a real experience, I don't know. But I had troubles on there. And please, I, you know, that's my plea tonight for help you to be able to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience and surrender and to be able to escape a lot of that. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to cripple you. He wants to ruin your reputation. And the sooner he can get you and put roadblocks in your way, it can be such that you feel like there is no hope for me. That would be his delight. And there's um, Proverbs 7 is a powerful chapter. Some of it is pretty plain speaking. But there, he said, I looked out my window and there I saw among the youth a simple young man, void of understanding. He was simple. And he got himself into all kinds of problems, moral problems, and it says he was like an ox to the slaughter. Forget what all it says. And he did not realize that it was a path to hell. And that's pretty strong language. But listen, take seriously your life as a youth and your moral purity. And I think I have that in my notes later. But Solomon was writing to the son, to his son, and he said about... Proverbs 5.3, the lips of a strange woman. I don't have it all written down. Drop as a honeycomb. Her lips are smooth as oil. But the end is as bitter as wormwood. Can you hear that tonight? Moral purity is a real issue. And it's not really my subject and not where I'm headed. But I think we could probably talk all night on some of that. The discovery of who you are, you want to be your own person again. I'm going to probably focus more, some more on the idea of pride. Pride is such a crippler. Um, the desire for acceptance trying to be uh, accepted by others. Sometimes youth in their desperate desire to be accepted will say dumb things. They'll dress to be noticed. Very Their insecurity destroys them. That's what I'm going to talk about. There are People who have gone to Bible school too young, this has been our perception, and they develop a reputation because they're too immature to have gone. Keep your children from going out too soon. They're not mature enough to handle it. Again, love the truth. And I, part of the, um, God has his guards in place for you as youth. Again, if you are, you think you have it all figured out, you're in trouble. Understand that God has given you parents and he's given you a church. To help guard you in a real way. Take that extremely serious. You might think your parents don't quite have it put together. You might think that your church doesn't have it put together. But you need to understand that God gave you those parents. And when he says, honor your father and your mother, then it may be well with you. I don't know how far to take all that, but it is very important. 
there has been a lot of strong teaching on that. I won't, but that is valuable. There are sometimes young people, and I guess I'm, some of this I'm talking about myself, and even after I left home, I got very spiritual. I was more spiritual than anybody. I was more spiritual than my parents. I was more spiritual than my church. Guard against that type of thing. Be very careful of that kind of thing. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Look to others for help and for direction. If you see another brother that you respect as a fine Christian, talk to him, ask advice. Learn that your own selfish interest and your own selfish pride will destroy you. I'd like to look at um, some of the things that you face as a young person. Maybe, and, and let's say... Let's look at Second Peter, chapter two, verse ten. You really don't have a choice when it comes to your church. I mean, with your parents, they are your parents. But there are individuals in the whole church thing trying to find a right way, and I'm not sure if I can answer all the questions on that. But you need to guard carefully against a deception of that whole thing. I'd like to read Second Peter 2, verses 10. But starting at verse 10 to um, 20. But chiefly, it's talking about false teachers. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despised government. Presumptuous are they... Self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. They shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And shall receive the reward of righteousness, as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime, Spots they are, blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practice, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty... They themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if they after, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Somehow, as young people, and this has to do with um, your church. I like to think about the great swelling words. Guard against the fancy talkers. People are looking for a, young people are looking for a spiritual church. And I, I want The attraction of great swelling words 
the attraction of the churches that promise you liberty. Guard carefully against that kind of thing. There was a time when I, when I felt like, I'm not sure where I'm going with all this. I wish I could just say, here, here's what I think about Oasis, okay? I very much appreciate what I see here. Just stay here and buckle down and be a part of the church. But I know that people are looking for experience. They're looking for a a spiritual. This was where I was probably. And I did. I left the church that I was born and raised in. And I'm trying to, I guess, establish in your mind, what kind of church do you really want? And I just wish I could see people who want to a good, solid, plain church. Now, what's a plain church? Good, solid, modesty, nice large veils. Simplicity and dress, that's the kind of church that I want you to want. And I want to see that happen. To build that which is solid. False teachers can speak with great swelling words, promise you lots of liberty, promise you all kinds of good things, and many person is attracted to that. I grew up in a church that was very dry, very unexciting. And when I look back on it, see later in life you look back on that and it looks a little different. I guess that's what my plea is for young people. Be careful of looking for the dynamic church that's On fire. That's going to win the world. Buckle down. Be a committed part of the brotherhood. And give your all your goodness to it. When you look at your church, be very slow to run. Be very slow to go. You need to have a good and absolute reason as to why you need to go. If you're in a church where you see the men who love the Lord, not everything is perfect there. Buckle down and serve it. I wanted to talk a little bit about the struggle that youth have In church, and I I talked a little bit about this. I'm not sure where I'm going with all this. I'm I'm plotting new ground. but And I don't know quite how you do everything here. It came from a more of a high-handed church where the bishop made the decision. I talked about that a little bit before. The attempt to involve the brotherhood and everyone in There may be times when there is a little more tension, a little more conflict, a little more difficulty. Young people do not like conflict, do not like tension. And that's, this is my, sometimes elders need to, let me start with every one of us need to just have our input and to be surrendered and obedient and try to work it together quickly. And sometimes elders need to step in and make a decision to bring it all to a rest. If I could give you, that's, this is what I've seen with youth. When there's too much tension and too much conflict, They want to run. Don't run. 
There will always be a certain amount of tension and conflict in church. That's just part of it. And I talked about the ideal home. There's no ideal home. There always would be a, a bit of tension and a bit of conflict in the home. Consider that normal. Don't be quick to run, I guess is the message I'm trying to say. Buckle down. Give it all you have. When you have made a decision, when you look at it and you see people who have rejected the truth of the word of God, people that really don't love God, and that's, that's a variable there too, but be very careful to that. I want to talk about relating to youth, and I can remember as a youth, I felt like they didn't want to hear what I had to say, and I determined in my life that I would listen and hear what youth have to say to us as church leaders. I think I've done that. Here's what I see. We're afraid of you, and you're afraid of us. We're afraid that you're off shooting off into a worldly way, and we want nothing to do with it. And you're afraid we're taking all your liberties. And so it gets to be a conflict, and we begin to build walls so we can't even see each other at all. I, as an older person, am determined to not fear you, but to be able to communicate. And if you can kindly see it from my perspective that we are concerned for the direction of the church. There are things at times that we need to be very capable. We need to be able to share and communicate our feelings. There are some things we can not communicate our feelings. Give, learn to give respect to each other. The um, in at St. Thomas, we have some young men that know a whole lot more about computers than I do about. All that difficulty, that whole thing. I'm not going to talk about that tonight. I give them a lot of respect, and I, I appreciate their input on the whole thing. The young men that are serious about life. I'm going to move on. Um, I want to look at the, this other subject, one, the one that I feel is probably the, the greatest battle for youth and its effect upon the church. And this is not only a battle for youth, but it's a battle for everyone, and that's the pride of life. And it began as a youth to ask the question, who am I? In an effort to find themselves, who they are. One of the things that youth face in a real way is peer pressure. And peer pressure strongly affects the church. And it's not only youth that have that peer pressure, but it's probably more so with youth. But the, the devastating effects on the church. And there are... People that talk about positive peer pressure, I haven't figured that all out yet, but I'm not sure about that one. The word that I want is in Galatians, the works of the flesh is emulations, jealousies, envies, competition. I have these different areas that I want to look at. The um, I'm getting a little mixed up in my notes, but some of the areas that we that youth face the real pressure is the idea of being beautiful, and people want to be the most beautiful one around, and they fix themselves to be the most beautiful. What youth are face, facing, and especially if they're not married yet, is that pressure as to who I can marry. 
Wealth is pressure. Talent is pressure. And I, I, there's, there's a lot of emulation in that. Jealousy, envy, and competition. And also I put this other one in here. Sometimes that is the attempt to be the most spiritual one. And that's to be positive peer pressure. But in my mind, sometimes that thing is devastating because everybody is out to prove that they are more spiritual than the other person. And what I was going to address this issue with parents because parents tend to pass this thing on to their youth in a real way. And parents that have not fought the battle and have recognized the problem tend to pass it on to their children also. Your ability to relate to other people is damaged. Relationships are very important. Here's what happens. People who are very talented, handsome, beautiful, wealthy, tend to think of themselves as superior to others. Let me read this verse here. I'll read that later. This is one group of people that I think about. They're very talented handsome, beautiful, wealthy, and they think themselves superior to everyone else. They tend to brag on their abilities, and then they wonder why people don't like me. The person is a know-it-all. When you're a know-it-all, you forsake your own mercy because you have no one to give you direction or help because you won't listen to them. This kind of a person in, is the pride of life. He doesn't like to, to be his own. I can't read my own writing. This person won't be a good husband or wife. He's angry when challenged. It's a person seems very confident and secure in himself, but he's actually a very insecure person. That would be what I would call the one group of person. That person is arrogant about who he is, a very proud individual. The second group of people that I like to look at is, and this is where most of us are, um, have you ever felt inferior around other people? Hopefully I can get this all tied together that you understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit... Um, uh, confused as my whole thing here. But it's very normal to feel inferior to other people. Okay? That's pride too. I'm, I'm trying to impress upon us what the damage that this pride of life does to us and how we can win over this thing. Right now I'm feeling very inferior because it's not coming off the way it's supposed to be. And and I I think about they say the number one fear that people have is public speaking and the number two fear is dying. So people would rather die than stand up in public speaking and and right now it's not going the way it's supposed to go. And I hope that I can bring it all together. All of us battle at times with being inferior to other people, and that's pride in a different way. This is where most of us are in this thing. We want to put on a good appearance and hide our nervousness. When we feel inferior, we tend to talk a lot to cover up. What, what I want you to get a hold of through these things is, the, the damage it does in our relationships, what pride does in our relationships with each other, and I want to, and it's especially so with youth, and 
the outcome of that whole thing. So maybe I'll get that all tied together. We're afraid of new people. We're afraid of new relationships. Because we're maybe afraid they'll find out who we really are. We're afraid of looking stupid. One of the things that, um, maybe I should have started with that, but one of the things that is not, I don't know how to sing. So I'm not going to even expose myself to try to sing a song and look stupid. Now here's the, the third group of people. And these people have it in a severe way, and it's because of parental problems. They feel unloved unappreciated, they feel like they can't do anything correct. They want friends of the worst kind of way. They try to find acceptance, and they push themselves on the people, and it feels hangy and clingy. If you know what I mean by that, I couldn't just quite describe that. And then people don't like that, and they reject them all the more, and then they feel all the more insecure. They are considered the social misfits. They say things to be noticed, and they're just not popular. This is the result of the pride of life. What I'm trying to get to then is the answer to this whole thing. And this is for youth in a real way. I guess this is one of the things that I have seen in my own life, in my Ability just to be who I am in Christ and be confident in that gives me a real boldness in life. That I don't have to be Mr. Perfect. I don't have to be afraid to expose my faults. There is a philosophy out there that's called self-acceptance. Have you ever heard of that one? Some people have labeled that as simply pride. This is my plea for you as youth. Find self-acceptance. And it's not pride. And this is the, the three areas. I've been forgiven. Christ loves me. It makes you secure in who you are. I have weaknesses. Those are God's opportunities to create growth in me and I have strengths there to be used for God's glory when I accept the fact that I have weaknesses then I don't have to fear what others think about me when I learn some of these principles and I think if youth could learn to find their security in Christ you can be a confident person that is not arrogant. You're a person that is satisfied with who you are and you're okay with yourself. The the difficulty Okay, I'll get to that later. Okay. To find a place of rest and peace. We're talking about happy youth. The pride of life is the thing that destroys your rest, your ability just to be surrendered, your ability just to be who you are. And hopefully I'll be able to answer some of this later. Youth can be a time of worrying about what other people think about me, what kind of person will I be in life, what will happen to me in the future. I want to look at the solution. It's in Romans 12, verse 15. Maybe I'll I'll get there and get a better understanding of this thing. This should be our goal as a brotherhood. And this is for all of us. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. When you can do that, You have humility and you have oneness. 
There's no emulation. When you can rejoice when someone else gets first place, the first prize, you're rejoicing with them. They're superior to you. When somebody else gets credit for something that you said, you rejoice with them also. And only whenever you're not in competition with someone else can you weep when they weep. You feel bad for them. When you can't weep with someone else that weeps and you're glad that they did not get it, did not win the award, that's a problem. Verse 16 is the answer, the conclusion. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. This is the answer. This is the, the way to freedom for USAU. The way to find peace in your heart and life, and to be a blessing to the church. Beauty. God didn't make us all look alike, did he? We were studying the Oasis directory and trying to remember names, and Vivian said, oh, that's that pretty lady. So I'll let you think who she is. <laughs> That could be any of you. <laughs> okay. But, but is life fair? Some people are beautiful. Some men are handsome. Some aren't. Okay. How many youth have thought they wish they'd be better looking, more beautiful? What do you do about it? You fix your hair different? You fix your dress different? Comb your hair different? You want to be the handsome chap. It's like someone said, it's actually, it can be more of a curse. Because what happens to the person who realizes or thinks he's handsome? We'll say it that way. Who is handsome? What, what is the guidelines for that anyhow? I, I learned that later in life. I, anyway. Where was I going? He thinks he is. What kind of person does he become? Stuck on himself? Stuck on herself. And she actually becomes ugly because she's stiff and cold and not warm at all. That kind of pride is destructive in your relationships with each other. And as a youth, it will destroy you. Brother shared a story of a waitress, and, and I didn't see the lady, but he said she was there waiting on our table at the restaurant, and he said she wasn't much to look at, he said. And then she told them her story. She had worked her shift, she had gone home, and they called her back because she was shorthanded, and she was serving them cheerfully and willingly, and with a happy face, he said she was actually very beautiful looking. Now listen, if you can learn to accept your looks as what God gave you, and you can be content and happy with that, and not fear what other people think about you, not fear that you're not as pretty as someone else, and you've set you free from all that bondage, you're a beautiful person with a radiant face. That's what is beautiful. To me, that's where youth struggle. And I wish I could just say it was youth. Some, some people never grow up. I'll stop there. I, I thought that after, I, I'll say this. If you don't deal with it, you'll never get over it. 90-year-old ladies that still worry about what their hair looks like. Come on. Comb that hair and let's move on. Let's not focus on how we look. 
Let's be set free from that thing. That's the thing that the pressure of having the nicest sweater. I'm sorry, I'm picking on sweaters. I still don't see so many bad sweaters here. I get tired of all the designs on sweaters. Socks. I haven't seen any socks here either, but why do they have to wear those ugly looking socks? That's a cool thing, I guess. All right, let me stop there. Um, but that's the kind of pressure that we face as church leaders. Quit it. Get off of yourself. You can be a church that tries to regulate the dress. If I could get people just to get out of their dress, get off of their dress. Get off of it. Let's look at the intellect. I don't know you people. Some of you are brainy and some of you are not as brainy. Okay? In school you had that, didn't you? The battle for first place. You were going to be smarter. You were going to get A's over the other person. I didn't get to my conclusion here. I'm going to back up on that one. Mind not high things. Don't press to be the most beautiful person. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. The answer is, here's this homely looking, we'll say young man, we won't look at the homely looking young man that I had, I knew one at school and he just was not very handsome looking and everybody else picked on him and he was just, Unappreciated, he probably felt unloved and he rejected. The key, if you are beautiful, don't focus on that. Condescend to him and reach out to him in real appreciation and kindness and love. That's what this verse is saying. Be of the same mind. Somebody that feels very insecure, very insignificant, unappreciated, unloved. Reach out to them with an expression of, of love. The intellectual. Some people have struggled to learn in school. The intellectual person thinks he is superior to everybody else. You're not. Sorry. That's just how God gave you some brains. That's fine. One fellow said, You're, you should wear your intellect like a pocket watch. Only pull it out when you want to know what time it is. Just let it in your pocket. Don't show off your intellect. I went to a conservative teacher's institute. And such, such bullying around, you know, who's the smartest and picking at everybody's grammar. I get so tired of it. The push for the top to be the brainiest guy around. Puffed up, thinking he's superior to everybody else. We don't want that in the church and youth. Set yourself free from that. Again, reach down to the individual that maybe isn't so brainy. Count him as an important brother in the church. There are some brainy people that are just not very practical. You ever met somebody like that? And then the next person that doesn't have a lot of intellect, he might be very handy with his hands, and he might be a very practical person. He is valuable to you in the church and youth. Listen, we need to value what each other. I told you about John Fremkin, a story about him. And I bumped into this by accident. He asked me some questions and I said, I don't know. Spiritual question, you know. Here I am. I'm supposed to know all these spirits. I said, I don't know. And he was so delighted with that. I thought, well, what the world? He said he listens to talk shows where people call in and ask these high up preachers these questions. And he said they ramble on and on and on and on. They don't have any clue what they're talking about, but they're answering the question. It was so refreshing to him to have someone say, I don't know. And it's okay to say, I don't know. Don't act like you know when you don't know. Just say, I don't know. In all humility with each other, I really don't know. Reach down to those people who struggle and be mind not high things. Wealth. Wealth puts us in different classes. 
And wealth can make people think they're superior to other people. Who do we put on the boards? The wealthy men. I guess that's to pay the bills. I don't know. They're brainier. They know how to manage things. I don't know you people, so I can talk. I've seen parents that can handle the wealth, but a lot of times the children cannot. They'd somehow get this idea they're superior to other people because they have money. I think of a fellow that told a story about a farmer, and he was not so uppity. He was not so in the, he didn't look like a very good farmer. But when he went to work for CLP, he had a different impression because he saw the checks that were coming in. This man had a vision and a goal for good literature, good printing, and he was sending lots of money to CLP. Can't always figure it out. And I thought about the the pressure. I had it somewhere here. And I don't know if I should say it here, but just we just call it from Franklin County, we call it Lancaster County pressure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We got Franklin County pressure. And I was telling one brother that if you cross over the mountains from our place, some of the backwoodsy people don't have half the pressure that we have in Franklin County, and I don't think it's as much. The the pressure to have the the finest lawn, the finest flower garden, the Everything has to be two-two. Is that bad? Listen. Everybody tries to outdo each other. And the push goes up and up. We're the, we're the classy people. Listen. Mind not high things. You get to the place where you can't even reach down to the poor and lowly and help them. They are so far beneath you. A person who properly understands these principles is a person who can walk with kings and be comfortable. You're not inferior to them. You are a child of the king. He can walk with kings in a very comfortable way, and he can reach down to the lowliest person there is because he can walk with him also. That's a person who has a proper perception of, of himself and who he is. He is not superior and he's not inferior. Hopefully some of this is coming through. It's a real burden on my heart for youth and we have attempted in a real way to teach our children this. And parents, if you have not learned some of these things yourself, is you're going to struggle to be able to teach your children this. There was a young lady and a young man that went to a more liberal school to teach. The young man was he was into his appearance and he wanted to be accepted by this group and he did all he could to find their acceptance in this liberal group. They did not like him at all. The young lady was just herself she was comfortable the way she looked. She was very much of a plain Jane. hope your name's not Jane, but you know what I mean. Plain Jane. And she just was okay with herself and they accepted her. That's what I'm trying to promote to us, that you are who you are, not by all you're put on. We've had people who come from a really conservative church to our area. And they somehow made their attempt to be like us, find our acceptance, and they made fools out of themselves. Talents. Volleyball. We'll talk about volleyball. I suppose you play volleyball down here. The guy that knows how to really spike it, you know, he's the, he's the cool guy. There was one volleyball game where the, the ball actually hit the girl on the head. You know, she, she couldn't even raise her hands up, and that's not quite necessary. Some, some don't know how to play volleyball game. Or children come home and say, that, 
That game wasn't any fun, you know. Listen, that's not what it's about. I've told them this way. If you win the volleyball game and you really did your job, you're not going to rem- That's soon gone. The next morning, all that poof and the victory is soon gone. But if in that volleyball game there was a person who was just trying to learn and couldn't play very well, and you gave that person words of encouragement and blessed them and helped them, that you might not remember having done that, but that person will remember that. Kindness and mercy and reaching down and helping somebody is the most powerful thing you can get a hold of. Quit thinking you're superior to everybody else and reach down to the person that's struggling. I remember... I was going to quit by eight. I'm about done. I I just got to my goods here somehow. I remember at school, I went to a public school, and the the thing to do after school was there were snack machines down there, was to go down there, and you lined up in line to take your turn to get put your quarters in and get a snack out. I was just a nervous little Mennonite boy that was insecure and I was scared to do this because of all the people that were down there. I never did it before. So I get in line with my coins and I'm ready to put them in the snack machine and my turn comes. Of course, I'm nervous. I don't know how to do this. And I put my coins in and hit the button. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Of course, you know, when you get nervous, then I start hitting every button there was. Nothing happened. And the guy behind me, I was so nervous. The guy behind me says, here, let me help you. I, I don't think I had quite enough nickels in. This was back in the 70s. And he helped me. He didn't remember that. But I want to tell you something that, what would it be, 55 years later, I still remember that act of kindness. I still remember that. If you want to be a winner among your youth, reach down to the one who maybe came from a home where they feel unappreciated and unloved and and help that struggling person. What happens too often is we just have no time for them. You will be blessed by it, and you will bless others in a real way. That's true freedom as a youth. That's real happiness. And it's, it's not a new concept, but it's just being a servant rather than being the superior one. And I know in volleyball... <clears throat> They are, there is some real, I mean, if you rainbow the girls, that's, that's a no-no. So at least they got that much squared away. I just want to, um, young people, the, there are so many lies from the world, and as, as a young person, you can't always see them. But the lie that I want you to get a hold of, to be superior, to be above everybody else, and our natural tendency is to be superior to others, is not what Christ is calling us to. He's calling us to get off of that seeking high things, stooping down to help the lowly, the person who is under Set yourself free from the bondage of that whole pressure. Learn how to be a servant to love others. I wrote this letter one other time. (coughs) My children aren't here, so I'm going to be like the dad to the rest of your children. To the youth. To my children, we love you. We want you to win. We want you to be free from the bondage of sin. We want you to 
have a victorious life. We have often failed. We have often not communicated properly our feelings and our understanding. Can you forgive us for that? We want the best for you. We want you to love Christ and reject the world. We love you, and we want you to live for Christ dead. I guess when I I think of youth, again, please, value your parents, your instructions, and surrender to them. Value your church, count it a, a blessing to surrender to them. And there's some real beauty in just learning to obedience and surrender and being set free from that bondage of, of pride can just destroy us, destroys our relationships, and it destroys our peace in our heart. Again, blessings to you parents. Press on, fear God. And to you teenagers, to the children, I, I, um, how did Paul say? I have this confidence in you. I don't know how he said it, but I have this confidence in you. Press on, serve the Lord.